Back from the dead, it's the Arizona Podcast. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Grab your hats, let's go. Come on, sense of urgency, let's go. It's wholly a movie. It's not funny. You were scared, weren't you? I wasn't that scared. Yeah. You were scared. Working hard, baby. Let's go, Lee. Let's set that tone. Let's go. Wilmer. Okay, Bizzle, let's go. Set the tone, man, right now. Come on. Set the tone up front, D-Line. Just in time for Halloween, the Arizona podcast is back from the dead. It's me, Gabe, and Brandon back to break down all things Arizona after a few weeks of absence. How you gentlemen been doing coming up on Halloween week? Doing pretty well, man. Doing pretty well. Refreshed. Excellent. It is a tough time of year. Gabe and I were talking before we started the podcast. Always busy this time of year for uh, for all of us, so uh, tough to get a podcast out every week. I always try to do our best on that, but it doesn't always happen. Remember, we are the Arizona Podcast. That's Echo Romeo Alpha. Uh, remember to follow us on Facebook, Twitter. All right, gentlemen, so the last time that we did a podcast, it was the week coming up on the USC game, and um, for good reason. It seems we didn't do any podcasts after that game because I think we had a lot of high hopes coming into that game, and unfortunately, they were pretty well dashed in a, a not very uh, awe-inspiring game for either program. But I think, um, and a lot of that was due to the the officials and quite a few penalties blown in the game. But I also think it was based on the fact that USC really didn't bring its best, uh, best effort, and we weren't able to capitalize on that uh, offensive line shifts. Um, lots, lots of reasons. Um, let's jump into that game in the Wayback Machine. Not too in depth, but Gabe, what stuck out to you during the game? Uh, I mean, obviously that first half just kind of set Arizona back. I'm, yeah, I'm trying to think way back there. Um, and then obviously they come. I, it, it, that feels like it's every USC game for the past at least three years. I mean, they've always been competitive or so, but just a really poor first half and then somehow just claw their way back into that one. And I mean, going into it, I wasn't expecting U of A to win to begin with, but I, uh, I do appreciate the effort 
in the second half and it started to kind of show that this team was more of a second half team uh just thing just slow starts to begin with and then kind of the defense ramps things up and and put some clamps down but i mean overall i guess it was it showed that arizona was heading into a better direction than we once thought towards the beginning of the season so um you know really that's my take on my quick take on that game yeah, we definitely. I don't have the numbers in front of me from from where we have been in games, but I would I would think if you went back and looked at our, you know, first down scoring, uh, passing yards, rushing yards, we really haven't been productive until the second half of games, and so we're, we're trying to work our way back. But it really did feel like USC's uh, talent overwhelmed. And this is a team that had 18 penalties for 169 yards, and those were just the accepted ones, while we had eight for 80. So we were flirting with uh, record-breaking levels of uh, penalties in that game, and USC was over able to overcome all of that. What was your takeaways from that game, Brandon? Yeah, I agree with Gabe. The uh, team came out really flat during the first half and then really picked it up during the during the second. And, you know, it's it's frustrating to see that first half just go go the way it does. But then, you know, the second half, it actually gets exciting and you're like, oh, you know, you can come back, come back. Um, honestly, for me, the uh, huge, huge issue was uh, that was uh, one game. I think that was the game that. Um, it would have been tied had uh, Haversick had a blocked field goal, um, and you know when it came, you know came down to the end of the the first half, and then he ended up missing an extra point on on a touchdown, so that would have made it 24-24, and the you know Cats and Trojans would have ended up going into uh, overtime. But man, you know that was just, uh, just watching that kind of thing was just like the epitome of. Um, of the season this this season and it's not like it's a lost cause or anything like that it's literally just the fact that you know you go through a coaching change and now like we all i think we're all starting to realize that this is actually more of a uh more of a rebuild than any one of any of anyone thought really um and it happens when you get a new coaching staff in um and you know that's this was just to me the like epitome of what happens during a rebuild like nothing goes your way um, you know, we could like, honestly, I don't think the cats have really anything to be disappointed with or even the fans. I mean, like we actually made it a closer game and brought and kept, kept the, the Trojans, um, you know, only scored, they only scored 24 points compared to last year. So like it, it was an overall decent game for the cats. It was just miscues and the slow start, like the, well, the kicking miscues and the slow start that is what, what doomed Arizona in that game. And then like you point out, all of a sudden we start scoring there in the third quarter and we're behind 24 seven and you know, you're like, well, I don't know. And then we get, you know, we get the ball back again and then we score and it's 14, 24 and you're thinking, Hey, maybe we have a chance here. And then, um, you know, we make it uh 2024 and just can't, you know, come back and, and, and push for that final opportunity to make the game, you know, more, you know, competitive than that. Um, 
just just a little bit short. But again, if we had capitalized a little more on first half opportunities, and we'll get we'll fast forward eventually to this week. But that showed up again this week against uh, UCLA, another team that's really had a lackluster season, but has significantly higher um, talent levels than Arizona, uh, based on recruiting. And currently, I think is a fair statement. Um, I want to just take a second to talk about the rebuild, and obviously we're going to we're going to cover several weeks here, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. But as you see the rebuild, would you put most of that on the offensive line, Brandon? Uh, I mean, so I don't think I. All right, honestly, I think that the offensive line's actually been better than everyone feared. I know people thought it was. I mean, everyone was nervous about it for for very good reason. Um, heading into the season, but I think that they actually have performed better than in better than, the, in, than they're getting credit for. Like, uh, you know, coach Gilbert's done, in my opinion, a phenomenal job with what he was given. Um, in considering the fact that, uh, the, you know, Arizona has given up the least amount of sacks and tackles for loss in the, uh, in the conference. Um, you know, I mean, UCLA's defense may not be that great, but they actually have some decent playmakers, at uh, at linebacker and in, in the defensive line, and you know they ran all over them and actually owned the line of scrimmage during that game. Um, I know we'll talk about it a little bit more, um, but like I, I think that the the offensive line is not bad, and it's better than people are giving it credit for. So um, I, I think mainly, actually, to be honest, with you, I think that the uh, the rebuild offensively is actually coming from the quarterback position. Um, well, you know that, whether that's a big hole to jump down, huh? Um, oh okay. no, dude, this this isn't a hole. <laughs> we'll, we'll be cracking that out, I think, as we go along in the the course of things. Um, yeah, we got down to that that last um, that last drive, and uh, you know, Noel Mazzoni and his play calling. Uh, we run the ball uh, up the middle with uh, JJ Taylor on uh, two separate occasions uh, for no gain. Or excuse me, uh, one time he got four yards. Uh, then no gain. We had a couple uh, penalties, uh, excuse me, three times, one for four yards, two for no gain. And then finally we bring in Brightwell, who I think has really developed into a decent uh, power back to get that touchdown. But we're at the uh, USC. It's first and goal at the USC five um, with, you know, I want to say three, three and a half minutes. And uh, by the time we uh you know, miss our extra point, which, you know, was really the, the, uh, bummer of all that. Um, it's two minutes and 23 seconds. Uh, Gabe, do you want to comment on the play calling at the goal line there? Uh, is that when they had like 12 chances to score? And yeah, they yeah. got the two yep. penalties. So, um, you know, we get the ball at our, uh, 35 yard line. Uh, Khalil Tate hits Sean Brown for 33 yards. We're on the 32. Um, there's a UC, uh, USC penalty, um, so it's first and ten at the 17. Uh, incomplete pass to Shun, uh, another penalty on USC. Uh, so now we're down on the five, and then JJ Taylor gets four yards. So now we're we're second and goal at the one, uh, and uh, Khalil Tate rushes for none. They throw that um, fade to the corner, and we get a pass interference, so we get a first down again. Um, there was an offside on USC, which really didn't move the ball at JJ Taylor up the middle again, Khalil Tate incomplete JJ Tate up the middle again. We take a timeout with a minute and 43 seconds, which we really 
couldn't afford. And then Gary Brightwell comes in and runs it for one yard for a touchdown. Yeah, I'm, that that was a very frustrating sequence of events there. And I mean, he, he got bailed out by a bunch of USC penalties there. But I think just from from the goal line, I think the the big takeaway there was just well. I mean, I don't, because I feel like Rich Rod did the same thing when it's fourth and one, and he's going to run it from anywhere on the field just to try to get that, but just decides to do it right up the middle. And especially with JJ Taylor, I know a lot of people give him some grief when he doesn't seem like he's a every down back because he's five six, and um, you know. I think he is an every down back, but probably not in that situation where you want your little 5'6", 160 kid uh, running up on the goal line against USC. At least put in Gary Brightwell, which they finally did it on fourth one, fourth and one. But then that's probably where you're missing Nathan Tilford, who really has, I probably does not play the rest of the season. And eventually maybe transfers after the season, but... Uh, that's beside the point, but you're just really missing a presence in the power run game there. And uh, I thought the uh, the pet. Well, yeah, I'm never a fan of the goal line fade in any fourth or I guess just a one yard or two yard situation. I feel like that's a very low percentage play, um, and a lot of things have to go right unless you have a elite receiver. I mean, maybe if you really love a matchup with Sean Poindexter on the outside against a little guy out there, but um, any of those plays I'm not a fan of. And I don't know. I mean, I, I would have loved to have seen maybe something with a fullback or perhaps a rollout where you can get, um, you know, a tight end out into the flat. So if not, cool, could just tuck it in real quick and just slide in there. But overall, yeah, just, just a frustrating sequence of events there. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so, Brandon, you 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 mentioned the rebuild, and let's not uh, poke the quarterback skunk. Uh, the hmm. defense gives up uh, 253 yards rushing. USC was averaging 5.4 yards per for attempt. Uh, how's the rebuild on defense going? Even though we probably shouldn't have had a rebuild. <laughs> um, it's I think it's coming along okay. It's not. Uh, where it should be. like obviously there's there's no doubt the defense is not where it should be but the defense has made steps in the right direction um overall this year it's just like especially the defensive line like i'm incredibly impressed with uh how the defensive line's taking a step forward um it really honestly just comes down to um the defense is inconsistent at this point um you know, it, I, I can't really say what's causing that. I know there's the defense overall is young. There's a lot of inexperienced guys getting a lot of a lot of playing time this year that uh, that haven't previous haven't pre, in previous seasons or um, you know or just new guys coming in. So uh, the big thing I you know I I can't tell you what's really causing the the issues on on a defense. I mean sometimes uh, the defense looks reactive. You know, and that's not good. That's when you start getting like, you know, Aka Cedric Ware getting like 12 yards a toke or, you know, you get, uh, you know, sometimes they're aggressive. And that's in the, the aggressive defense is if, if you've noticed throughout the year, the aggressive style of play that the defense utilizes, that's when it's actually very, you know, an effective defense. Once they start doing the reactive stuff, not so much. 
Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair. Uh, that defensive line's had quite a few uh, shuffles, even though we uh, we thought um, it was going to be a, a much improved. Um, so let's just run through how we did for the week. Um, uh, UCLA uh, was uh, getting ten points against uh, Colorado that week. Uh, it was uh, sixteen for UCLA, thirty-eight for Colorado. Um, so they um, they covered uh, amply. Um, all three of us had a CU. Uh, the over under was at 56.5 and it came in at 54. Uh, Brandon was the only one who took the under on that. Uh, Utah was given up at a point and a half, uh, at Washington state, uh, Washington state, uh, won that one. And so, um, all three of us had Washington state, uh, the over under in that game was 49 and a half and it hit 52. Uh, so Gabe was the only one who had the over in that one. Uh, third, uh, was at Notre Dame. Um, Notre Dame was given up five points and amply covered. Uh, we all had furred and took the, the whooping on that. The over-under was a shocking 52, and uh, Brandon went with the over and uh, hit it. So kudos to you, Brandon, for having faith in Notre Dame and furred jacking up the score. Mm-hmm. Um, BYU was at UW. Uh, UW was given up 17. Um, Gabe hit that um, with a final score of, uh, what was it? 13 to 35. Uh, so the under hit on that at 46. Um, uh, I was the only one with the under in that game. OSU was at ASU. Uh, ASU was given up 22 points and aptly covered. Uh, both me and Gabe hit on ASU. Uh, the over-under was at 64 and hit for uh, Brandon and uh, myself. And uh, Oregon was at Cal. Oregon was only given up two points in that game. Um, they covered. Uh, Gabe took Oregon. Um, and the over hit at uh, 58 and a half. So we all hit on the over in that game. And finally, the SC game, um, both uh, Brandon and I were foolish enough to take the U of A. Um, Gabe hit both SC and the under at 60. So for the week um, against the spread, Gabe hit six of seven and uh, over under hit three of seven. This is one of our better weeks. Uh, Brandon was two of seven against the spread and three of seven on over under. And I was three of seven uh, against the spread with over under at three at seven. Um, I'll bring everybody up to speed on our totals, but let's move through the weeks now. So um, next week's a little bit of redemption for uh, Arizona. Uh, Cal comes to visit and um, Arizona and Cal's given up two and a half points. Um, so this game, you know, I, I thought I thought Cal's quarterback gave us the game, but it felt like at the time the the defense turned a corner and and it felt it felt really optimistic. Uh, obviously, the offense struggled in that game. Uh, what were your takeaways from that one, uh, Gabe? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was pretty much the team was carried by defense, and it was. Uh, sealed away in the second half there. I mean, it felt good jumping out to a 10-0 lead uh, to start the game. But then, uh, I don't know, the defense just kind of started giving up some big plays and just couldn't get off the field for third down in the first half. And, um, again, that's when we kind of saw the clamps come out in the second half on defense. And, um, you know, a frustrating performance offensively. Uh, Again, it just seems like they can't put together a full game on offense um but the defense this is kind of the defense that you expected to see throughout the season uh before the season started when i would have thought that this team had nine wins in them. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, that's totally won the game. And yeah, uh, McElwain is that South quarterback who was playing. I, I think that uh, had Chase Garbers or whoever else their other quarterbacks are that they've been rotating. Uh, I think they probably would have beat Arizona, but uh, two pick sixes, uh, I think three interceptions in total. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, one of definitely the best performance defensively for the team and uh, got back to three and three, and that was a pretty good spot to be in at the time. The schedule was looking a little bit rough after that, but um, yeah, that was a big win that you definitely needed coming out of that USC game. Yeah, it's a real interesting uh, stat line. Uh, uh, Brandon, when you have uh, three interceptions for a total of 146 yards and two touchdowns, uh, that's a pretty good day passing, except it's to the wrong team. Um, I do empathize with uh, Cal. Uh, it's certainly tough when, you, when you're when you losing quarterbacks left and right, so I can hardly imagine if we were down to our third or fourth string quarterback how our season might be going, especially for them after starting with such um, – such a, a good non-conference schedule, but that has been the pattern for the last two years for them. Um, any takeaways from the game that stuck out to you, Brandon? Yeah, I really like how the um, defense actually kind of bounced back uh, after allowing um, Cal to take the lead going into halftime. They bounced back rather well. They played extremely aggressive, uh, forced McIlwain to make massive, massive mistakes. Um, uh, you know, fumble strip sack by uh, JB Brown, which was just amazing. I mean, that was a great play on his part. Um, you know, probably one of the craziest plays you'll ever see on defense or offense when, you know, Colin Schooler intercepts the balls, just, you know, looks like he's going to make it down the field, at least down silently for a good chunk. And um, I think it was like Jeremiah Hawkins for California. Uh, came up behind, punched the ball out, and Azizi Hearn just went scoop and this, you know, finished the 34 yards into the end zone. That was an excellent play. It was crazy how the ball perfectly hit on the side. Like that it was hasn't ex- happened to Arizona since like 2014. You know, yeah. If it would have had any any angle on it at all, it could have bounced left or right. But it it hit like a basketball and bounced straight up. It was amazing that it hit bounce like that. Yeah, exactly, and. Um, you know, and then you got Scotty, who just really read the play, uh, read the play very well, and uh, stepped in front of the receiver real quick, grabbed that, uh, grabbed the ball, and ran it into the end zone for a pick six. That was, uh, and that kind of sealed sealed the game away. Yeah, um, so much for our prediction. He was going to struggle to get back into the starting lineup, huh? Yeah, oh, yeah. Remember when we said that back yeah. in the beginning of the season? Yeah, we've already beat that one down. Um, deep frustrating aspect of that game as, as Gabe alluded to was the offense. It just seemed like that they couldn't get anything going per the huge. Um, you know, uh, I don't really want to kick this, you know, kick the tires on this, but there are times that Khalil Tate just, you know, I can't like he overthrew, um, was it Cedric Peterson, like wide open at like the 10 yard line, um, or even at the five, just wide open overthrew him. Um, and Arizona has settled for a uh, missed field goal, actually, after that. Um, or no, it was, it was that, that one was actually a made field goal. I think, am I thinking the wrong game? I might be thinking the wrong game. Anyway, um, but yeah, he missed, he, missed, um, he missed numerous guys that were wide open, and this seems just to be the um, name of the game this year with him. Uh, he's, 
and you know, and every time he does that, it it literally just kills every drive. You can literally feel like, okay, the offense is starting to click, starting to look good, blah blah blah, and then all of a sudden, boom, throws an interception or like throws a deep ball incomplete and then like triple coverage, and then all of a sudden, uh, all of that momentum that the offense have had is gone, and they have to start back from scratch. So uh, yeah, it's just yeah, that was a frustrating game to watch the offense operate. Do either of you remember if this is the game where he went over, uh, Sean Brown went over his hundred receptions? I do not. I can't remember if it was this game or no, it was not this game. It was the, it was the next game. Okay. So we were, well, you know, shout out to Sean Brown for a crack in a career hundred reception mark. And I thought it was in this game, but it certainly was in this run where we're around. So I wanted to make sure we, we made that point. You know, we, we talked earlier in the season, I posed a question to you two about uh, senior wide receivers, um, you know, living up to their potential. And we have three on it this year. And I think Ellison's been real clutch. I think Poindexter's improved, but Sean Brown might be um, in line for one of the better senior seasons we've seen from a wide receiver in a while. And that includes uh, struggling with uh, multiple uh, quarterbacks. So, um, you know, shout out to him for hitting that mark. Um, I don't think there's too much more we need to belabor with that week. It was nice to get back on on point, get a home win, and see our defense come around. And Scotty Young, I think, was really the surprise of it. Um, other games that week, uh, ASU continued its losing streak. Uh, Cal was given up two and a half points. Uh, it was a 28-21 victory for uh, Colorado, so they covered. Uh, both uh, Brandon and myself had that game. Um, the over-under was... Um, 64 in that game if i'm remembering correctly um so uh none of us hit uh taking the over um uw was given up uh, 21 to ucla and won 31 24 um gabe had ucla and we all hit the over under at 52 and a half excuse me the over on that one uh, washington state was given up 17 to oregon state um and they uh, easily covered we all had washington state um, and we all hit the over and under at a shockingly low 93 total points for the game. The over and under was 64.5. Um, uh, Cal was giving up two and a half. Uh, we already talked about that game. Um, Brandon uh, had uh, Zona. Gabe and I took Cal. What a couple negative Nellies we were. Um, and so um, with the win, uh, Brandon took that one. We all hit the under with an over-under 57 and only 41 uh, in the game. And last but not least, and I think a pretty big shocker, and, and I think the story of the season uh, – Utah uh, went into Stanford, uh, a Bryce Loveless uh, Stanford, but still Stanford get up through it, giving up three and a half points and absolutely shellacked them by 19 points. Um, they uh, blew past the over under with that uh, output production. Uh, and we all had Ferd in the under. So for that week, uh, Gabe went two for five on against the spread and three for five on the over under. Uh, Brandon was three for five. Against the spread and three for five on the over/under hit by far one of your best weeks, uh, Brandon. And I was two for five against the spread and a three for five against the, the um, on the over/under. Do you guys want to talk about Utah and its position atop the Pac-12 South? I can say I did not see that coming. Yeah, I we, thought they were. Yeah, we I talked mean, a lot of shit about their offense. That's for sure. Yeah, we we all thought that they were going to be. We we're like, well, I mean, you know, they could, you know, they got a good defense, offense. Uh, I can honestly say I'm I am genuinely shocked at how just explosive Tyler Huntley's been. Um, 
Like he's been on point in the past like three weeks. Um, and, uh, yeah, I will, I will eat, you know, in, you know, open mouth, insert foot on this one, because we all said that we didn't think that this was going to happen and look, look, it's actually happening. So, yeah, I think pretty easily. What do you, what do you think about their position right now, Gabe? Yeah. I mean, you would have at least thought that USC would have, I mean, they weren't going to dominate, but they would at least have control of the South. Maybe another team is in there, but I think I also I think it was after the UCLA game. I, like UCLA is playing for first place potentially this week. I think I don't know who they play, but I think that was some crazy tweet that came out where I literally the four of the six teams in the South right now. Yeah, are, they're, they're all nodded for sure. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see. It's it's uh, we got what five more games for utah to blow this so <laughs> <laughs> i like your optimism uh, so so you well so listen uh, talking about first place for you well listen uh, to, to come back on ucla i mean you know ucla every ucla football pundit on earth talking about how they're tied for the pac-12 south with you know two wins and or whatever three wins and it's like yeah, I get it, but to your point, it's you know, it's like being you know, first place in an ugly contest or something, or or winning that uh, dinner for schmucks contest because um, the Pac-12 South hot garbage. But they're playing uh, Utah is playing at UCLA this weekend, so um, uh, you know, let's see what the spread is on that game. I mean, I, let's not jump too far ahead, but let's just take a second since we're taking the, uh, so. You know, the spread at UCLA is Utah minus 10 and a half. So that tells you what Vegas thinks about it. Um, they've got at UCLA, at Arizona State, then they host Oregon. They go to Colorado, and that's the end of their conference games. Their only losses have been to Pac-12 North teams in um, UW and Washington State. Mm-hmm. You, you still feeling pretty confident about that uh, crash and burn, Gabe? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Duly noted. All right. I, uh, you know what? I intensely dislike the Utah fan base. I think they're, they're up there, man. Um, <laughs> so I, your lips to God's ears, but um, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not doubting them anymore this season. That's probably their turn to t- take the trip to the Pac-12 South is what I'm suspecting, unfortunately. Um, okay, so that was uh, it for the, that week. Moved on to the next week, and it didn't get any better for us. Uh, went up to Utah, and this was an absolutely demoralizing uh, game. I think I've completely suppressed this game from my mind. The only thing I recall about this game vividly, and it's only because it just absolutely pissed me off was that ridiculous fourth down punt fake. I just thought that was beyond obnoxious. Uh, Gabe, what'd you think about the game? Uh, yeah. So before we hopped on, I was kind of looking at the schedule to see when we last had our podcast and kind of what went down. And then, cause I, I've been missing some games here and there. Like I've, I've had to miss a half or two or like the UCLA game. I think I only caught the first quarter. Um, but like Utah's like, man, did I watch that game? So I'm, I'm there with you. I, I watched the whole thing, but I do not recall a whole lot, um, which is good for my health. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, it just wasn't even competitive. Um, 
That, oh, that's the game where uh, Khalil Tate got hurt in like the first two drives, couldn't really do anything. Joiner gets in there. I don't. Does Joiner throw? I don't remember if he throws. Yeah, all. he uh, he had like 17 yards. He he missed wide open. Uh, Tony Ellison was going down and wide open, and he couldn't see him. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, so so he drove the ball a little bit there. Yeah, he, had, he, like, went, he went three for four for 17 yards and yeah, a sack. Yeah. He had two or three first downs, but then Rhett comes in, our Lord and Savior now, and so <laughs> I, I mean he, he moved the ball well. He's not physically gifted here. He doesn't really have the velocity or the accuracy, but I think he's making better reads. Kind of everything seems to slow down for him compared to some of the other quarterbacks. Seems to just have a better grasp as coach's kid and all, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm I'm ready to roll with Rhett for uh, the foreseeable future until we could get a potentially healthy Khalil Tate and get him in the running game. But at this point, I'm not too optimistic on that front. Um, but I mean, I think that was kind of I I don't think you could have asked much more from Rhett for that game, being on the road, coming in cold at Utah. Um, yeah, and that's that was pretty much the big. I, the only positive you could take away from that game, I guess. What do you think, Brandon? So this was a game at the beginning of the season, and you know when we made our predictions of how Arizona season's going to go in like one of our first podcasts. That I, I picked this game um, as a game that Arizona was going to lose, just because uh, playing on a Friday night after playing a Saturday game. Um, yeah, the stats so, are just miserable for everybody else. Yeah, in in Salt Lake City, that's not that's not easy in for anyone. Um, and boy, this was uh, yeah. I quickly got rid of this. I quickly um, swallowed this one. Um, it it, it uh, this was one that uh, kind of like the Houston game, really that. Uh, nothing went Arizona's way. The only thing that went Arizona's way was Rhett's touchdown pass to Cedric Peterson. That was literally the only thing. Um, that was a nice play, by the way. That was a really good play. Really good route run by by Peterson as well. Um, but man, like the missed field goal at half, that one, like I was like, okay, there's gonna be points on the board, and never mind, no no points on the board going into half. All right, cool. Um, that that was kind of like the the sinking feeling, like um, yeah, just just a terrible game all around for for Arizona. And then uh, yeah, I mean, like there's really not much else to say. Like it's just not good, you know. So yeah, I mean, it was it was thirty five to three when we got that that pass from uh, Rhett, little R little R to uh, Cedric Peterson. And so it was 10:35, and you thought, well, you know, who knows? And then, um, and then, you know, Utah. You know, we have a, a couple uh, back and forth on the punts. Uh, Arizona goes out on downs, um, and then Utah goes down and scores. And so, um, and so at that point, um, you know, and that was the fourth and seven for the fake, fake punt with eight minutes and eleven seconds. Um, you know, up 35 uh, to 10. So they go down and score a touchdown. So I'm sure uh, Crow Magnin, um, Utah coach, uh, is, you know, whatever, smashing rocks with a skull. So, uh, you know, 
I don't know. It just felt completely inept. I mean, even that 1035, it was like we executed one play. It was just, it was absolutely brutal on so many accounts. And, and Utah just looked so loose. And so, I mean, it, it, you know, it felt like, it felt like when Ferd came here, when uh, Andrew Luck was running that squad, uh, or uh, the better uh, USC teams of late. I mean, it, it just felt like it was a completely foregone conclusion. Which is hard enough to swallow when when Stanford or USC's cramming the ball down your throat, um, but it's really tough when Utah is, especially a team that you know Rich Rod you know won what four out of five games against. So yeah. uh, for me, that was a little bit of a hard pill to swallow. Um, what do you take of um, of the quarterback situation? Well, let's let's we'll get into the quarterback reps back and forth but it sounds like gabe you're all on board with um rich rod um i mean Rhett rod if khalil tate's healthy do you take a healthy khalil tate over Rhett rod or are you ready to 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 ride the little r train ah give me the little r train i just feel like he's making the right decisions and i i mean i yeah i mean i could go back and forth on this i guess but for me if Khalil isn't, well, I guess my first choice would be Kevin Doyle. Uh, if you could throw him in there, but at the same time, I'm okay with the results that you're getting out of Rhett, even though he's not really going to be, uh, he's not necessarily the future where I think Kevin Doyle obviously has more of a future at Arizona, or he has the potential to be a long-term starting quarterback once he competes with Grant Cannell. But I think just right now, yeah, I just let me ride out Rhett Rod for the season. Khalil Tate, I mean, I don't know how serious his ankle injury is. And if, I mean, if it's just going to be a good, you know, wrap up of the legs and he falls and a couple other guys fall down, you know, if this thing lingers throughout the whole season and, you know, if he's just, if I guess also if Mazzoni isn't going to be, or maybe maybe it is uh, Khalil. We we kind of go back and forth in this as well. If Khalil isn't going to be using his legs at all and just not this not even twenty percent close to where he was last year in terms of wanting to run the ball or running the zone reads, then I don't know. Just kind of frustrating to not. I, yeah, I guess it, it's frustrating to not use that when he has it. And I don't think that he's making all of the best reads. Um, he, he might have more talent, ball placement, arm strength, all of that. But I, if he's not making the right reads, then I think Rhett has, oh gosh, am I about to say Rhett has slightly more upside? <laughs> like, I, I guess you're getting a safer guy with more upside who's going to at least scan the field a little bit more. So. Give me, give me a little ret rod for the rest of the season, really, or unless they want to give Kevin Doyle a crack at it and a and a blowout. But I think right now, if you're gonna if you're gonna win games, I think it's just get the run game going and let Rhett do his thing. So, uh, Brandon, having heard all that from Gabe, we, we've seen uh, Jamari, and I think it's fair to say, you know, given his experience level, you know, he's been not not threatening either of those guys for playing time um if doyle isn't being brought out there would you think it's to protect him you know you don't want to get your your future packet passer uh 
pocket passer uh, dinged up when maybe now I know you're not going to agree with this, but the offensive line isn't executing uh, potentially up to par. Um, or is there some other reason? Cause we're getting to the point now where if uh, Doyle plays in every remaining game, we're not necessarily going to even burn his red shirt. Right. I mean, we're not going to a bowl game. So we got four. I mean, unless something crazy happens, um, we're not likely going to bowl game. We got four games left. The kid hasn't taken a snap. So if he started every single game for the rest of the season, um, you know, he's still got his red shirt intact. Yeah. I've been, that's something I've been thinking about recently too. Um, like why hasn't Doyle played, but you know, I can't really, this isn't even because of the, how I feel about the offensive line's performance. I don't feel like that is a, a concern amongst the coaching staff because Doyle is mobile. He may be a pocket passer, but he's much like Grant Gannell in the sense that he can make plays with his legs or keep plays alive if he needs to. Um, he is mobile enough. Um, you know, I'm not, I literally have no clue as to why Doyle hasn't played yet. I don't know if he's not picking up the offense any, you know, I don't know if he's not picking up the offense. He's not picking, you know, making right reads during practice. I have no idea, but that doesn't seem like something that, um, that doesn't seem like what I've seen of Doyle, uh, in, you know, during his high school career, that kid makes great reads and, um, has a heck of an arm can throw like deep ball if he needs to and has great touch on it. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Um, maybe it, it may not even be the fact that like his, uh, ability to read receivers is, is bad. It may be the game's just too fast for him right now. Um, or for all we know, dude, like since we're near the last four games, Doyle may actually come out, you know, uh, and they may have just been waiting to use them towards the end of the season. I don't really know. So, um, it just occurred to me if, if you're if you're Mazzoni, and we can get into the quarterbacks and Mazzoni and in in a lot more depth um, if we want. Maybe you sit down and think, okay, I, you know, I got Gannell coming. I have Doyle. This these guys fit my style much more closely. Mm-hmm. However, comma as they say, um, you know, I've got three more uh, read option uh, dual threat. Um, talented quarterbacks, uh, presuming Rhett Rod's uh, mindsets more geared towards his father's offense, maybe not with the actual physical tools. And perhaps the installations he has in on this year are more geared to that talent set. So it's a more natural progression to go from Tate to Joyner to, um, excuse me, from Tate to Little R, Little R to Joyner as a as a rotation of quarterbacks than to try to put uh, Gunnell, um, excuse me, Doyle out there in a position where maybe he, he would want to use him in a completely different set and he hasn't really installed that offense thinking that that's more the future for the program. Do you guys think I'm pulling, you know, one out of my ass or? Um, no, I actually think that's a, good angle to look at it because Doyle doesn't do um I don't think I ever saw him do any RPO in high school so that could be that could be uh you know he may not be picking it up 
you know, at least that, you know, when I'm talking about like reads and stuff like that, that may yeah. be something like he's not pulling it when he needs to, or he's well, not if Mazzoni's like, I'm, I'm going to have a lot of read option zone concepts in here. He's just going to assume that that's not going to play to Doyle's suit. So instead of trying to install two complete offenses his first season, maybe you just concentrate on what you assume Tate can do because you figure he's, he's the whole show. And then you figure the other two guys are going to be more natural fits in it based on their previous experience. Uh, what do you think about that game? Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense because Jamarie was the first guy off the bench where he that was kind of their experiment where, I mean, I don't know if they wanted him to be more of a change of pace guy. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what was that the Cal game when he came in. Um, that was yes. even before I, that, wasn't it? No. Oh, wait. No, it was, he was uh, the first was the no. Cal game. Yeah, because little R, little R got. I mean, so Tate played the whole BYU game, and then we're like, why doesn't he run? And then Houston was the ankle tackle, and he finished that game out. And then Southern Utah, um, well, here I'll pull up the box score right now. Southern Utah, um, that was all Red Rod was the only one that came in. He only had two mm-hmm. two attempts. So Cal and Utah were the two games that Joiner have been in. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't exactly know why they wanted to try to implement him it just sparingly or in set plays or a snap count or whatever the reason was for that Cal game. But it makes sense where, okay, Khalil had plenty of opportunities to run if he wanted to, and we all kind of thought, well, maybe this is Noel kind of pulling the leash a little bit and you know, making him into more of a pure passer. Um, but then bringing in Joyner uh, kind of, I don't know, it just makes you think that uh, they did want a little bit more RPO, just more of a rushing attack from, from that side. And then they go with three straight rushes in, right. you know, not, not very great. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty much just a QB draw all three times. I, I, if I remember correctly. And so, uh, you know, it kind of makes sense. And then they went with uh, him directly after Khalil got hurt in the Utah game and kind of pulled him out. So, you know, it is interesting. And I do think that there could be some truth behind that um, where they just want kind of that dual threat. Maybe maybe they also think with the offensive line, I mean, it has been playing better, but uh, you want someone who can get out of the pocket a little bit better. And I guess uh, you did mention that earlier where, you know, you don't want your potential future to get shaken up in his first, you know, experience as a college quarterback and you're kind of protecting him into next year. But, you know, it's all, it's a very interesting situation where, um, I even, I mean, Kari Lane, I don't know what he's going to be doing in a couple months from now and whether he leaves, but I mean, they're depending on how this thing shakes out. Um, it could be interesting with how we see all these quarterbacks start to move. Yeah, sort of going into the crystal ball. If um, and and I, you know, I want to get into the whole uh, Khalil Tate, Noel Mazzoni fallout of the quarterbacks because we're almost like ASU was a couple years ago. They had Brady White, and oh, yeah. they had the Bama transfer, whatever that kid's name was, and then they had Blake Barnett, yeah, Blake uh, Barnett, Bryce Perkins, Bryce Perkins. They had um, yeah. and Dylan Manny, Sterling Cole, Dylan, Dylan Sterling Cole, yeah. who's still there. And so you know they have a zillion. At one point, they had the number one and number two pro style quarterbacks in the country when they had Burnett and uh, Brady White, right? 
Yeah. And yeah. now they have neither of them. So, you know, we could, it would be really interesting if next year the team settles out with Grant Gannell and, and Doyle, right? Because that would really. Uh, I think that, uh, I actually think that Joyner would stay. Okay. And maybe Joyner. But it's, so then Joyner's the odd man out on the system. You know what I'm saying? And so it's. Right. It's, and, and Joyner may be more because he's earlier. You know, he's going to have a red shirt. He's going to have time. Um, but I want to get into that whole who's going to be around next year thing, you know, down the road. But let's wrap up this week, okay? Um, I don't think there was much more to take out of that other than Kyle Winningham's a goon. Um, so uh, Utah was giving up 13.5 points that they amply covered. Um, I had Utah. Uh, the under hit on that game by only a point and a half. Uh, Brandon had the under, and Gabe didn't get his picking in time for that one. Uh, UW was giving up three and a half to Oregon, and they lost that game in an absolute heartbreaker on a missed field goal with yeah. no time left. And then, man, Oregon's running game just looked unstoppable in that game. Um, Gabe That's and I, had, week. yeah, I mean, Oregon after totally shitting themselves in the Stanford game uh, comes back and and just destroys you dub but i don't know you kind of had to wonder i mean how tough would it be to have all the the accomplishments washington has and they can't get a field goal kicker either i mean that's got to make you crazy right mm-hmm. um, so uh gabe and i hit on oregon um nobody hit on the uh over we all took the over and it only missed by half a point so uh there you go and that's including with halftime uh, i mean overtime excuse me so uh ucla uh absolutely throttled Cal and Cal was favored by a touchdown in this game. Um, we all had Cal. So we took it on that. Uh, Gabe was the only one smart enough to take the under in that game. And so for the week, uh, Gabe went one for three against the spread and one for three on the over under, uh, Brandon, uh, got a goose egg against the spread and, uh, One of four on the over-under. We keep getting worse each week. We should have stopped like we were killing it <laughs> the first few weeks, and now we're, uh, we're fading. And then I was uh, two for four against the spread and one for four on the over-under. Um, so then um, we got to uh, the third ASU game from last week. That was a real gem. Um, uh, third... Uh, Manny Wilkins uh, throws that pass in the middle of the field for like a whopping three yards, and the clock runs out. So, I was uh, I was coming back from the Cardinals game. I'd gone to watch the Broncos eviscerate the Cardinals, um, took took their manhood, and uh, it was an absolute pleasure watching the end of that game. Um, and and so um, none of us had had a chance to send in our picks on that one. Um, subsequently. Um, UW was given up 17 against Colorado. Um, they covered. I'm mean, excuse me. Uh, they did not cover, um, and uh, they only they only won by 14. Uh, Brandon and I got our picks in for this week. Gabe was out, so we both took Colorado and the under. Uh, the uh, over under was 50 in that game, and so we hit on both of those. Um, Cal uh, got back on its uh, winning tracks. It was given up eight and a half points against Oregon State. The over-under was 58. Um, We both um, missed Brandon and I on Oregon State, and I hit on the under in that game. And then uh, 
praise Jesus, uh, Washington State, giving up three points, uh, took care of business against Oregon. Uh, the over-under on this game was a paltry 70 points, and uh, both Brandon and I had the over, so we missed there, but Brandon got the wazoo on that one. SC pukes up a game at Utah, <laughs> and... Um, and I was shocked. <laughs> Yeah, well, you picked Utah, so kudos to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but like I didn't, you know, I didn't actually think it was going to happen. <laughs> and you hit the over under. They scored sixty nine points in that game. The over under was forty eight. So yeah, Utah and over nice. was the boldest move of the week, and Brandon nails both. And then um, UCLA and Zona. I took UCLA because I'm I'm a pessimist. Brandon's a homer. He nailed it with Zona uh, because UCLA was giving up ten points at home. Uh, Over-under was uh, 55, um, so I did hit on the over. So for that week, uh, against the spread, Brandon was 4 of 5. You're killing mm. me 80%. Mm. That's awesome. And uh, on the over-under, you were 2 of 5. Against the spread, I was 1 for 5. And over-under, I hit 3 of 5. Uh, so um, let's talk about the UCLA game. Um, I actually flew out to L.A. and watched the game. Uh, despite the loss, it was fun to go out to the Rose Bowl. I've never been there before. Uh, walked out on the golf course, walked around the stadium. Um, you know, it, it was interesting. It's a big, big stadium coming from the U of A and having seen Utah's a stadium, having seen ASU Stadium, uh, that thing's a freaking monster. Um, you know, it was sparsely, sparsely uh, populated, and the few people that were there weren't engaged because they were watching the Dodgers um, in the first half of the game, so the baseball game didn't wrap, wrap up to the first half. I felt like that, you know, end zone fumble, J.J. Taylor getting the ball punched out from behind him was just, again, the epitome of, of how things have seemed to go this year. We finally convert something on offense in the first half, and then it blows up in our face. And the second half when we came back, I felt really confident. I thought, you know, we had a legitimate chance to win the game because I really didn't think very much of um, – uh, Utah coming into the game, excuse me, UCLA coming into the game, but um, UCLA just found enough opportunities to score and, uh, uh, you know, pulled it out there in the end. And um, I thought Red Rod acquitted himself uh, reasonably well in that game. Obviously, the two interceptions hurt, um, but his uh, lack of athleticism was was pretty brutal. J.J. Uh, Taylor and Gary Brightwell really played outstanding, but we, I think you have to take that in the context of what Brandon's pointed out several times is a pretty bad uh, UCLA uh, rushing uh, defense. Um, and then, you know, it's pretty brutal when uh, DTR goes out um, and spray, sp- Spike, Sprite, whatever his name is, Spate. Spate. Yeah, yep. Will Tone, Will Tone, Spate comes in, and he just looks as cool as a cucumber back there, just slicing us apart. So I felt like it was pretty, pretty brutal. Um, what was your takeaways there, Gabe? Well, I only watched like the first quarter, so not a whole lot for me. I was in a wedding this past weekend. Um, Why do people do that, Gabe? <laughs> yeah, I know. You're telling me. Um, Baseball but, season. I mean, Weddings are for summer, people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't get to see a whole lot um, in the first quarter. I don't I don't recall. I think there was only a touchdown in the first quarter. Um, so, yeah, I mean, really, there there was just a bunch of back and forth. There, it wasn't too exciting and nothing that I uh, really got to pay attention to. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that's really all I can contribute here. That's, <laughs> it, it, was, it was just uh, – 
while I could uh, catch the game at the bar and such. So, All right, Brandon, forget what Gabe said. Tell us what you thought of the game. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, man, it was – this was probably more difficult for – me to digest and i think the utah game because oh my gosh arizona had it arizona had it arizona had it like this was a winnable game it was a game that arizona should have won but like you've already mentioned like jj taylor making a like a rare mental mistake well was that really on him or was that just a great defensive play so i think it was it was a mixture of both like i'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna take anything away from darnay holmes because that was a a really good job and how brutal that was darnay holmes right i mean a dude that we were in on right i mean i don't know how in on we are him but i mean we were recruiting him but the thing for me is JJ is a smart football player. He very rarely makes mistakes in my mind. And, and Gabe can probably attest to this. If you're a running, if you're a receiver bulk, if you're a ball carrier, right. And you're running down the field, sorry, excuse me. And, um, you're, you, you even think you feel a defender behind you. You wrap up the ball. You do not just keep, keep doing it or like, you know, keep, uh, having the ball one handed and running down the field, or you swap to this, to the, the sideline side. That way, if it does get popped out, you have a really good chance of it actually flying out, uh, out of bounds, which would still been Arizona ball if that had happened. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If it went out before it went out of the back of the end zone. Yeah. Before it went out, in the, out of bounds in the end zone, but like most of the time, and I, and I know I talked to you about this on Twitter, you, you grab, you, you hold onto the ball with two hands, and that, that would have been fine because there's no way Darnay would have been able to uh, punch the ball out because one, or even stop JJ because one, he was actually going for the ball. He wasn't going for the tackle. Right. Uh, so JJ had a really good chance of actually making it into the end zone with that. Um, so that was just a, a very rare uh, mistake, in my opinion, for, from JJ. Um, and the other thing I want to highlight is because, um, and, and guess what? If Arizona didn't. Even if uh, Arizona didn't score a touchdown, uh, they would have at least gone for a field goal. So you had a chance for at least three points, right. uh, which would have made the difference in the game. Then moving on to Rhett Rod's uh, first interception. To, oh, that was such a bad pass. Oh, dude. Oh, God. It was one of those. That was another, like, Rhett Rod doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. That was a mistake. That yeah, was a he, that, was a, that was a three flies up pass right there. That was full yeah, Brett were, Favre right there. <laughs> that was seriously, uh, you know, dude in his face. He's pretty much going down. Doesn't have the arm strength and just kind of like I don't know, dude. It was like it was arm like punch. watching a fifth. It was like watching a fifth grader throw a f- football up and just kind of sit there and floated for like five seconds in the air and then came down, giving UCLA plenty of time to actually make a play on the ball. And I felt bad for Ellison because he tried so hard to, so hard to come down with that or smack it out of the hands and it just it just didn't work. Um, that was just an ill-advised throw and another instance of where um, uh, even in my three up and three down article that I did after the game, like that was an instance where Arizona missed an opportunity to put points on the board, whether it be a touchdown or field goal, which again would have uh, made the difference in the game. Yeah. For, for all the, for all the accolades we want to give to Rhett Rod, I think right now he's firing at about a 50% clip on his past completions. Which, you know, for an under-athletic dude, really isn't going to cut it. And he's had multiple interceptions now. So let's see here. He was, well, yeah, he wasn't even that good. Uh, 44% at UCLA, 52.6 at Utah. Uh, and he's got, um, 
Oh, two interceptions, the, I think. Just the two interceptions at UCLA. I thought he threw another one at, at Utah. So no, it was it was close. Yeah. So his touchdown to interception ratio is three to two with a you know between forty five and fifty percent uh, completion ratio. I mean, let's just pop over here to our boy uh, um, Khalil. Khalil. And he's not on this one, of course. That would be too easy. So let's go back to you. I think Utah. he's got 11 touchdowns, four interceptions. This is what he's rolling with right now. Yeah. So Khalil. So for the season, of course, these are just ballparks. But the point is, like, he's been particularly ineffectual, and you don't really like how his, how his passing game's played out because obviously we're squawking about that. But, I mean, you know, here he is, BYU 50%, Houston 53.5, Southern Utah. I'm not even going to count that. Oregon State. I shouldn't count it, but he was only 53%. USC, 48%. Cal, 60%. Uh, and then Utah won't include because he only tried to throw the ball four times. So, you know, on his absolute best day, he's hitting a 60% clip. And, you know, he's as bad as, as 50%. So he's probably, you know, call him a 55% passer. And like he said, 11 to 4. So, I mean, he's barely edging out um, – Rod and obviously the running game is what the running game is, is what we commented on. So, you know, it is the most recent game. Um, and so you would think we'd have a lot to beat on the drum about that. But honestly, um, in the first half of that game, again, we got a real slow start and <clears throat> I was, I felt fortunate that we came back and made the game competitive, but at the end there, I just felt like, gosh, you know, they're just giving enough, up enough runs to uh, UCLA to lose it. And, and it, it was a little bit uh, frustrating in that regard. You know, UCLA comes out with again, 289 yards rushing. So a paltry 7.6 per attempt. Um, I do want to, I do want to point out a couple of things though. Sure, like sure. as much, as much as the defense had, like it was a little bit, it was a little po- with, not even a little was porous in the fourth quarter. Cause that's when uh, UCLA was able to rip off some of those runs. Um, you know, like they, they did the, the de- defensive front actually didn't do great. Like overall the defense had like what 12 tackles for a loss, four sacks, which is both season highs for, you know, for the, def- the defense. Um, and honestly, I can't, I cannot um, say anything bad about, Barnes and, and Christian Young because those are two true freshmen. One of them moved over from safety, making their first start at night on the road. And you know, they and, and, and then overall they didn't play terrible. Like they actually were um, not bad for true freshmen making their first start. They I mean they made true freshman mistakes, but that's gonna you know that's gonna happen. So um, you know, I think with those two, at least with Barnes and, and, and Young, they definitely deserve some kind of grace from from everyone because they were they were in a tough situation and they actually didn't do too bad. Yeah, was uh, Barnes covering um, on that touchdown pass in the first half to uh, to Allen? Do you remember? Man, no, that he, was not. That was uh, that was actually a safety that completely missed. I think it was. I think it was Jarius Wallace that actually missed that one. Uh, no, like someone broke down and just he got just ran picked right past yeah. twice in that game, and I was like, "Good lord!" I mean, you know, when when the guys when he, the guys running three yards behind to try and catch up to his assignment, it's you know, it's pretty brutal to watch that kind of play develop. But at this point, it you know, we're three and five. We're second to last in the Pac-12 South, ahead of ASU. Um, hmm. I don't know. 
do we want to break down what we think about the team? Do we want to talk about the stuff that's happening this week and then come back to that? Why don't we, why don't we spend some time breaking down the team now and kind of get the, the past as a past, even with some future conjecture out of the way. And then we can kind of move on to the stuff you guys have had on the website this week and, and try to take a more forward looking thought. Okay, so the rumor mill is that Noel Mazzoni is going to retire. He's got family in Scottsdale. They've, he's mostly been living up there at the end of the year. Maybe Yates stays, and Khalil Tate's going to transfer. What do you guys make of all that noise? How about you, Gabe? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I believe it, certainly. I think that, um, you know, this this ride for Noel this year just didn't really work out. He's getting up in age, and... Uh, you know, I, I just can't see, I guess at this point, especially because you picked him up super late and I mean, Kevin Sumlin was the last power five coach to be hired. And so your assistant pool isn't that great either. So you bring your buddy along here and I just don't think it's as successful as everyone would have anticipated. And so, I mean, I, I'm kind of buying that. Uh, I do think potentially Khalil leaves. Uh, I feel like someone on Twitter was telling me about Illinois to reunite with Rod Smith. Um, I mean, maybe even Calvin McGee at New Mexico State isn't out of the possibility. I I honestly don't know where he would go. I know um, that he is potentially on pace to graduate, so he could be graduate transfer. I'm not too sure on the status of that, but I could definitely see him leaving. I, I think... And I mean, even from the beginning, I always felt like when the offense wasn't really clicking and he wasn't running a whole lot and he was trying to pass it a lot more, just felt, well, first we kind of thought it was more Noel and just kind of pulling that leash, like we've said, but it just didn't make sense to have his skill set in this offense or exactly didn't make sense just in general, the offense and so then I think that was kind of a key point where I kind of thought that Jamari Joyner was kind of on this transfer watch, especially when you have Grant Gannell and Kevin Doyle as your two quarterbacks that would potentially come in here. You know, there's really no place for a dual threat. So I wouldn't put it out of the possibility to see him leave. Um, Red, I, for him, I don't think that he leaves unless Rich gets a job somewhere else. I think that family is just way too close. And as long as they're all in Tucson, he's going to stay there um, and keep going here. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he would pull NAU or something. I know he's got a lot of friends up there as well. But uh, for him, I think he stays Kari Lane. I, I, you know, he could go back home to Georgia perhaps a Georgia Southern, or I think Grambling was recruiting him, maybe Southern Alabama. I think a lot, I, I really don't think that a lot of quarterbacks are safe here. I, uh, Doyle's dad definitely tweets his frustration um, with his son not playing. So I'm not exactly sure what's going on there. And then really the guy who's been recruiting Grant Gannell the past three, four years of his life, Tony, if he goes, I'm not sure if he stays. So, I mean, really, it's just a, it's a really interesting situation. I mean, somebody's going to stay, and there's going to be some guys here. It's just a matter of who. But really, I could see all of them but Rhett leaving at this point. And so I think I think Noel is, is definitely a key trigger point to see what happens there. 
um, kind of dictates what we see. Brandon, why don't you dovetail off that? If Mazzoni leaves, it's time for him to retire. Maybe there's some dissension between him and someone they thought they were going to come to Arizona and, and uh, it was going to be Manziel 2.0 doesn't quite work out that way some frustrations maybe end zone feels like hey it's just easier for me to fade into the sunset i've already got my house up in scottsdale um how much do you think that would impact um ganell uh sorry excuse me i think it would be uh i think it'd be um, probably a blow to him, but I don't think it would cause him to decommit. Uh, mainly because I do not see Noel Mazzoni uh, retiring and not talking to Ganell and his family. I do not see that happening. Noel Mazzoni is a really down to earth individual. Um, you know, I know he, he like the the guys who are recruited by him absolutely love him. Uh, so he's a good dude. Um, I just think that uh, so like you know I, I think even if, even if he were to retire, which I'm still not I'm still not so sure he does, but if he were were to retire, um, I don't think that would cause Gunnell to to commit or sorry <laughs> decommit, um, especially since um, I'm sure like I said Noel will talk to him and there will probably be a plan in place to keep him there, um, and I'm sure uh, you know if uh, they'd be looking for a. Uh, a, an offensive coordinator to, you know, tie into like Doyle's and Gunnell's uh, skill set, uh, especially since I do believe I agree with uh, Gabe. I think that Khalil will be, um, I think that Khalil will be uh, uh, transferring after this year. I definitely think that Kahari Lane's going to be transferring. Um, Rhett, I kind of agree with Gabe. I think he actually stays just because. Um, Rich and, and Raquel are still around and involved in the universe. Well, I know Raquel is at least involved in uh, uh, doing reporting for another site. And, um, you know, Rich Rich has been going to his games and supporting him along with Rita and everything. So, um, plus, you know, Rhett isn't just down. He's a down-to-earth kid. He's not an idiot. So he's not just going to transfer to transfer or anything like that. Uh, he's going to definitely try to help his teammates the best he can. Um, just with helping him with technique or anything like that, because he may not have the uh, physical uh, attributes that some of the other quarterbacks have, but man, that kid is smart. He knows the game of football and he knows how to at least tweak um, uh, technique and everything like that. So uh, that's kind of how I see it going down. Um, I still think that Ganell would stay committed uh, even if uh, Noel Mazzoni retires.
moved on to the next week, and it didn't get any better for us. Um, we um, uh, went up to Utah, and this was an absolutely demoralizing uh, game. I think I've completely suppressed this game from my mind. The only thing I recall about this game vividly, and it's only because it just absolutely pissed me off was that ridiculous fourth down punt fake. I just thought that was beyond obnoxious. Uh, Gabe, what'd you think about the game? Uh, yeah. So before we hopped on, I was kind of looking at the schedule to see when we last had our podcast and kind of what went down. And then, cause I, I've been missing some games here and there. Like I've, I've had to miss a half or two or like the UCLA game. I think I only caught the first quarter. Um, but like Utah's like, man, did I watch that game? So I'm, I'm there with you. I, I watched the whole thing, but I do not recall a whole lot, um, which is good for my health. <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, it just wasn't even competitive. Um, that, oh, that's the game where, uh, Khalil Tate got hurt in like the first two drives. Couldn't really do anything. Joiner gets in there. I don't, does Joiner throw? I don't remember if he throws. Yeah. All. He, uh, he had like 17 yards. He, he missed wide open. Uh, Tony Ellison was going down and wide open and he couldn't see him. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, so he drove the ball a little bit there. Yeah, he, he, like, went, he went three for four for 17 yards. And yeah, a sack. He, had, he had two or three first downs, but then Rhett comes in, our Lord and Savior now. And so, <laughs> I, I mean, he, he moved the ball well. He's not physically gifted here. 